The Halo universe is filled with wonder, mystery, and fascinating discoveries around every corner. With so much to explore, four friends decided it was about time that they boot up the consoles and discuss this universe that has grabbed their attention since childhood. Jumperscape Audio kindly welcomes you to join them in the library. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the library, where we talk about Halo lore with friends. Except Shane. Shane isn't here for this one. Uh, he sucks. He had other important things. To, I think he went to sleep. <laughs> Who sleeps? Who does Not that you. these days? That is correct. <laughs> you are 100% right. James, how are you sleeping these days? Um. Um. <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. Um, Unfortunate. I, I, I gotta say, gentlemen, invest in a sleep mask. They make it look like it's a corny thing that only 87-year-old men use, but they're so helpful. They're great. I need to find one that, like, blocks out enough, because I got one. I got um the Manta Sleep. Um, yeah, I love those. Yeah, but, like, I don't know. I, I don't know if it's the position of the eye things or what but i can't i need to find one that blocks out enough light and also isn't doesn't feel too restrictive otherwise it keeps me from like being comfortable i mean those eye cups are velcro you can move them i know like that's that's what i'm saying i'm not sure if i'm just not getting the right placement of them but like i feel like to keep it from slipping off or just being in the wrong place i have to have it too tight and then it's and it's a problem, but mm. yeah, I have been I've been thinking about looking into some different ones. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Speaking of sleep masks, we're going to be talking about Shield Worlds today on the <laughs> on the Halo Library pod. I can't call it the Halo Library pod. That's legally not okay. I can't call it that. Welcome to the library. We talk about Halo lore. <laughs> <laughs> the library. That is all. The library. The ride. <laughs> roller coaster oh gosh that would i you know what halo themed amusement park why isn't it there james you've designed like seven of them why aren't they here yet uh good question um <laughs> i don't know i've sent my planet coaster uh save files to <laughs> several uh amusement park chains they've not gotten back to me <laughs> oh, apparently gosh. it costs uh millions and billions of dollars <laughs> or something Ridiculous. like that Utterly preposterous. <laughs> well, uh, ladies and gents, today we're talking about Shield Worlds. Uh, guys, I yes. am new to Halo. What is a Shield World? Well, you see, you have a world, and you sort of put a shield over it. Um, um right. I uh, <laughs> now I might not know anything about Halo, <laughs> but. That's not what a shield world is. Okay, so shield world. Forerunner construct where there's forerunner stuff on the outside and on the inside is world. That's also, I mean, that's... All of that is true. Mm -hmm. But it's not what a shield world is technically still. It's okay. It's okay, guys. Hold on. 
I just finished playing through all the games and reading all the books. So let me <laughs> <laughs> just now, <laughs> just now, just me. Um, <laughs> so, all right, Shield Worlds. What are they? Where do they come from? Where are they going? Uh, they come Not from the Forerunners, job. and they're going to be destroyed at some point, probably. <laughs> but it's okay. Shield Worlds are the most unoriginal thing in the Halo universe, probably, uh, because it's a Dyson sphere. And the amount of sci-fi things that have Dyson spheres in them is numerous. When you're when your concept is in space balls, you probably <laughs> need to realize that it's probably a a done sort of uh, gimmick. But who am I to to judge Mr. Greg Bear himself? Um, I I can't. So, and also technically, I mean, the Halos were pulled from a book series too, Ring World. But we're not gonna we're not gonna talk. I need to read those books and see how mu- how closely related those things are but uh shield worlds were developed by the didact a long long time ago uh because he was like listen master builder love your concept for the halos really big fan of galactic wide genocide um how about instead of that we just (laughs) make planets that can't get breached by the flood and we just live out our days on those contained worlds and then boom, we just wait until the flood starves itself, and then we release everything back into the galaxy, reseed everything. The life workers are like, that's a great idea. Librarian's like, I love you, husband. Thank you for this. Uh, and then the council's like, that's a great idea. I really like that. Master Builder, what have you to say? That's stupid. I can do the exact same thing. I can just put dirt on the inside of my halo. <laughs> <laughs> just put some dirt on there. Exactly. And uh, so the council is like, wow, that's really cool. All right, we're going to go with the Halo thing. And Didact, mad, makes a lot of the Shield Worlds anyway because he had the resources for it. And also, I don't know, the Forerunners were pretty much just taking whatever measures they could to try to make things happen. So they weren't really used. Uh, uh, There's still life on them, obviously, so they were at least to some degree operational. But to for the ones that we've seen so far there's not that many uh there was definitely more halos than there were were shield worlds although their names are a little interesting since their number system implies that there were literally thousands of shield worlds so whatever happened to the shield worlds don't know there's not that many that have been seen now though so that's just what we've got the one that uh, may or may not be in other dimensions that's neither here nor there and that's exactly what it is to be in a different dimension. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you nailed what it is. So, uh, the way that a shield world works, though, is that it's like the outside can be real terrain. It can be like an actual planet instead of the metal that surrounds Requiem. But inside the sphere is another like bit of terrain that's you know like a planet in a planet and then the inside of that planet is hollow so it's it there's a surface and then there's a surface under the surface and then there's an energy sphere in the center that's powering the whole thing and also acting like a surrogate sun and and then that's the the that's the the whole shield world that's just kind of how it operates um, also i think there's different types there are there there are definitely different types uh cuz there were there were these initial designs which were basically like requiem that's just 
you know, it was it was the first. That was the original Shield World. Hence why the didact was stored on it by librarian because it was his little his little baby. Uh, the one that was most commonly used was the conservation sphere. That's the one that's like, uh, I think as far as I'm aware, that's the kind of one that you saw in Halo Wars. Would it be a sphere of conservation, perhaps? It was designed for that very purpose, so you could say that. <laughs> wow. If you wanted to. The Forerunners are really creative with their naming. Uh, so it's it's kind of interesting because there are some way stations that are used on like different planets that allow you to find where some of these conservation spheres are nearby. Like there was a facility on Harvest that allowed you to find now, lo- local. A, a little off topic, but is it not redundant to call them Halo Rings? So here's the thing. Now you've caused a problem because because <laughs> <laughs> here's the thing. For real though, for real, for real. That has been a topic of discussion for a little while now because originally the Forerunners never called them Halos. They called them just the Rings because that's what they were. They were the Rings and the Halo was a name that was seemingly originally just a, a like a, a dubbed name from the Covenant to turn the Rings into a holy thing, the Halos. Ah. But they also gra- call them the Holy Rings. Yes. So it's like there's the rings, and then there's the Holy Rings, and then there's the Halos. The Holy and Rings the and Halo the Rings. Halos. Yes, and the Halo Ring. And so like those last three names, those were all dubbed. Like those were supposed to be like the this is the title of the thing, but they're originally just called the rings. But the problem happened when Greg Bear, God rest his soul, great, great writer, fantastic. He made the forerunner say Halo Ring all the time. <laughs> ah. <laughs> and so because of that people were like oh no they called them halos for some reason <laughs> oh no because uh, that's the thing is that like forerunners despite their whole addiction to the mantle weren't exactly religious because they I mean they were t- very very time immemorial kind of beings so from being able to see the origins of the galaxy to all the way now and they know where the origin came from. Aside from praying to the mantle or the precursors, there's really no major religion or religious thing to look about look at. They were more generational. They cared about their ancestors and everything more than anything else. Mm-hmm. So, like, it wouldn't make any sense for them to call them, like, give them a nickname like that because they didn't really, like... They had nicknames, of course. Like, they had their their ships that had these fancy names. I mean, the Dreadnought. That that was the thing that like that's a name for a ship. They clearly named things, but they they didn't call it halos. And it's like it is redundant, first of all, to call it a halo ring. But second of all, <laughs> <laughs> it's like it, they didn't call them that. And so when it looks like the covenant called them halos as an extra layer on the deception cake, now it's just they know that it's called. Halo. Um, and you know, we're not going to talk about the moment in Comedy Evolved, the first mission where you could walk up to the console and you can see that clearly on the display panel, it's addressing the ring below as Halo, as if they already know it's called the Halo ring, even though they just discovered it two seconds ago. <laughs> hmm. And the other plot hole of 
how does Keys speak Sangheili? And also, why are the Sangheili talking about the Halo ring in the prison cell? And why do they know so much about the Halo ring despite having just found it? But that's fine. In the director commentary of the game, they addressed it too. They called that scene, what was it? They called it the exposition dump scene because they didn't know where else to exposition. <laughs> yeah. So, does that answer your question, James? <laughs> it's redundant <laughs> because we don't know. <laughs> it's It got confusing and now things are confusing forever with that. Uh, so for now, it's just redundant because it's redundant, and also it's cool to say Halo Ring. It runs off the tongue. Rolls. It rolls off the tongue. Halo <laughs> Ring. I guess. I mean, Halo or Ring would also work. But then if you just called it a ring, then you might get confused with Lord of the Rings. I don't, I don't think I would do that. If If someone walked up to you and said, this is the ring... Do you think Halo or do you think Lord of the Rings? It depends. Is the ring a couple in like a couple centimeters in diameter or a, <laughs> like ten thousand? <laughs> um, okay, let's say you overhear overhear a conversation where someone says, "All you hear is the ring." Do you assume they're talking about Halo or do you assume they're talking about Lord of the Rings? Are they thirty years old or sixty? As a person who has not watched Lord of the Rings out of spite <laughs> I think of Halo yeah it's because everyone yells at me for not seeing it so now I'm just not seeing it for that reason oh I, I will say as a person who also was doing that <laughs> I, I did really like the movie and I did not regret going to see the re-release in theaters when the 30 year anniversary came out they're good 20, movies, especially the extended years. Yeah, it was the extended that they played too. That was really good. I liked it a lot. The way they handle battles, it's just anyway. This is not a Lord of the Rings <laughs> podcast. That's already there. If you guys want a Lord of the Rings podcast, there's already one that exists with Robots Radio. Just go listen to that. I, I think it actually is just called the Lord of the Rings Lorecast. I have no idea. I don't remember the names of a lot of the. There's a lot of shows on Robots Radio. You should just look through the categories because there's. There's a lot in there. I'm a big fan of the Assassin's Creed lore cast. I like that one a lot. Those guys know a lot about that franchise that I just, I don't, because I'm losing track by this point. Apparently, in Valhalla, you're a reincarnation of Odin or something. I don't know. It's all over the place. Oh? <laughs> so, dude, gods are just a thing now in Assassin's Creed. Like, gods are just first civilization people. Interesting. It's weird. Anyway, Halo Ring. It's just redundant, James. <laughs> And anyway, Shield Worlds. Uh, <laughs> shield Worlds, the conservation sphere. Uh, yeah, it's just it's a it's a slightly smaller Shield World. It's designed to conserve things. It just kind of does that. It's built around an artificial star. It's pretty cool that they could just do that, but that's kind of just it. Uh, but then there's the micro Dyson spheres. I'm sure you could. I fully understand what that means. It's a shield world, but small. <laughs> and now how about the ones that were like... Actually, no, that's different. Continue. No, 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 say it. No, 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 I was on the wrong thing. But I'm very curious about what you were wrong about. <laughs> See, you say micro Dyson Sphere, and like yeah. in um, the Kilo 5 trilogy, and in, uh, what is it? something onyx is it shadows of onyx or is it the other one 
Ghost of Onyx. Um, Ghost of Onyx, yeah. yeah. So in Ghost of Onyx, they enter a, a Dyson Sphere. It's using a slip space, like, it, it's in slip space. So Onyx sort of falls apart, and in its place is a slip space disturbance, which contains the Dyson Sphere. Um, the disturbance itself is very small. The Dyson Sphere, in actuality, when it comes out of slip space, spoiler alert, is extremely large. So Whoa, I'm so glad you bring that up. Onyx is a macro Dyson Sphere. I see. Uh, if you it's would like me to, extremely large. If you would like me to tell you exactly why, I could just read word for word what's on Halopedia, just because, like, I. I did. I knew that it was its own kind of Dyson sphere. I I did it because it was completely different than other Shield worlds. But uh, I didn't know exactly what it is. So obviously, I'm just looking at information just to, to make sure that I'm brushed up on this stuff. But it does answer that question. Yeah. I also like going through it in Ghost of Onyx and in Kilo Five. You, there's so much going on that it's hard to fully nail the description of the Shield world of Onyx. Yeah. Um. And so I, at one point I had the wrong image in my head. And when I went through it the second time, I was like, oh, I got it wrong. This is what it actually looks like. Now I don't remember what it's supposed to be. So yes, if you could tell me so that I could actually remember what it's supposed to look like. Okay. Well, you'll first of all recognize the name sarcophagus then. Um, yes. That's what Onyx turned into. Though it's still referred to as Onyx. <laughs> yeah. The main component of this type of shield world is a Dyson Sphere located within a bubble of compressed slipstream space. The only entrance to the interior is a small portal within the core of an artificial planet built around the core. Access to these shield worlds is possible only upon the imminent activation of the Halo Array. The Dyson Sphere within this type of shield world is enormous. Sarcophagus, for example, is two astronomical units 300 million kilometers in diameter. As with the more common conservation spheres, micro-Dyson sphere-type shield worlds feature vast terraformed surfaces and a single artificial star. The inner Dyson sphere resides within a subspace bubble and is thus accessible only from the core room antechamber in the heart of the artificial planet formed around the structure. In normal space, the subspace bubble is radically smaller than the interior, being only a few meters in diameter, hence the moniker micro-Dyson sphere. Okay, so I was right. Yes. Wow. So I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> you were you were wrong about being right, and then you were right about being wrong later on. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Your okay. wrong was righted because you now, were wrong. If you could clarify something for me for my own mental image, because like I said, I had one thought and then I realized it was wrong. So is it like the outside of the Dyson sphere, obviously you've got the metal sphere, right? Not for all of them, but yeah. Right. So is it like a halo where you go to the inside of that and it's along like the edge? Like if you have, like if you just take a halo and then whoosh, close it all the way around. Based on um, what we see in Halo 4, not necessarily because you're not on the interior. You can see the metal ceiling above you. Right. So I, that's why I described it as there's a surface under the surface. And that's why I'm thinking there might be different ones because I feel like on Onyx, on Sarcophagus, that one 
the world was inside was along the edge. Well, that, that uh, allow me to tie it back to the games again. The 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 uh, shield world that you go into on Halo Wars Two. Uh, mm-hmm. it was double sided. Um, oh. one side was a normal planet. You know, everything was normal. But if you flew through it and came out the other side, you know, when they collided with that Covenant ship, yeah. Uh, you know, Serena's like, "Am I the only one freaked out that we're inside the planet?" And you can clearly see to the other side of the planet. So, it, it th- those shield worlds do in fact exist, and they're just double sided. <laughs> so, for sarcophagus specifically, which way is it? Well, based on that description, I guess I would say that it's one of those ones where you can see to the other side clear. Um, okay. Uh, and probably is just but coating like, the interior. It's so far that it seems like it's just a sky. Like it's That so would mess big. with me. I yeah, would go it's, insane. It's an artificial sky because you see the sun <laughs> there. So you think that that's how it is. But I can't remember. I... Again, well, I can't here, remember let, if it was a world inside a sphere and there's a sun somewhere. Okay, let, let's see. Sarcophagus is a Dyson shell, a massive artificial structure encircling a star. At approximately two astronomical units or 300 million kilometers in diameter, corresponding roughly to the diameter of Earth's orbit, and weighing, weighing approximately 1.37 solar masses, the sphere is by far the largest known megastructure created by the Forerunners. According to Halsey's calculations, the internal surface area of the sphere is approximately 500 million times the surface area of Earth, or 255 quadrillion kilometers squared. (laughs) Despite its massive size, while inside the artificial planetary shell of Onyx, the structure was contained inside a subspace bubble of compressed dimensionality, making its apparent diameter only about 23 centimeters. So it's a shell around a star? Yes. Onyx is. Okay, so that's that's what I needed to clarify because like like I try to visualize whatever books I'm reading or listening to so that I can see whatever is going on in my mind, and that was the one thing that I kept getting mixed up on because I think yeah. I imagined um, something like Requiem where it's the shell and then there's the world inside, um, but Onyx the world is like on the inside of the shell. Yeah, it's actually addressed right here. The sky inside the shield world appears solid blue. The landscape on the other side of the sphere is not visible as a result of the shield world's enormous scale, unlike on smaller shield installations such as Trove. So there are other shield installations like the one in Halo Wars where you can see clear to the other side. Exactly. And actually, so. oh, hey, look, look at that. Trove is the one from Halo Wars. There you go. <laughs> hey. Yeah. Oh, and it appears in another it's, book. Hey. It's really funny that they refer to... <laughs> Onyx as a micro uh, a micro Dyson sphere when it's absolutely enormous. I mean, it makes sense. Uh, perceivable the way you see it, it is only a couple centimeters wide <laughs> until it shifts back to normal space. You know, just co- casually consumes everything. I don't even know how that works. Do you get por- tell? Okay, how did it work in the book? Did it just like absorb everything around it, or did you get pulled into it into an alternate dimension? There was enough room for it to so like it said you you go through the portal in the um like so onyx was the planet onyx was the forerunner planet yeah um which was built around the core which had the portal to um to sarcophagus Mm -hmm. um and then whenever sarcophagus got brought back into real space back into our dimension basically um 
there was enough space like they all ships had to get out of the way um and like go however far so that there was enough room um and then like there was a little there was a little like weird feeling i guess like like it would be going into slip space like on a ship because of the Shaw fujikawa drives mm. and then they're like wait what happened there's just black oh wait the black is the dyson sphere it was just blocking everything and they couldn't <laughs> they didn't realize that the black was the dyson sphere and it was that just sounds so massive terrifying right um, that is one horrifying one thing that you might be able to compare it to for size, I know that there is a Dyson Sphere in um, one of the Star Treks. Um, I can't remember. I feel like it's Next Generation. Yes, I think in Next Generation, they run into a Dyson Sphere and they have a uh, callback with, uh, with Scotty from, uh, from the original Star Trek stuff. That's cool. Um, and that gives a little bit of scale as to how big i don't know how big that dyson sphere was but like the curve was basically like they were on the outside of the dyson sphere and they they couldn't see it was hard to see a visible curve in in the sphere because it was that big so that might be a good reference if you wanted to look at that to see how big it was um but yeah that's 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 how big it is. We have successfully talked about Lord of the Rings, Assassin's Creed, <laughs> and Star Trek in one Halo Lorecast episode. <laughs> yes. It's it's so helpful though, because there's so many there's so many things that are similar but a little bit different. So it's easy to have other things to give context yeah, to it. Absolutely. It's, like I said, it's been a tried and true thing, but it is easily comparable for that reason. Although it does harken way back to the conversation that we had at one point about like who would win in a in a fight all of Star Wars's forces or Halo's forces and we're like <laughs> oh it's not even a contest <laughs> there's just too many covenant there's just way too many <laughs> the fact we can't even number them there's a large number oh by the way uh Brian I'm going to make you sad because this could have oh, no. been a thing uh I'm sending you a picture I found this fake this fake image or context after he looks at it I'll explain but it'll make you sad that it's never happened <laughs> yeah so I it's am. a fa it's a fake uh, beta build image that someone made of a Halo Ghost of Onyx main menu game like game main menu uh, yeah. it looks great though <laughs> it does it would it would have made a good game it would have made a very very good game what what is the fear behind making books into games? <laughs> that is there a fear? I haven't really heard of that much as a concept. I don't know. Well, the thing is, is that like there's just so, everyone wants a harvest game. If Shane were here in this episode, he would already start be talk, starting to talk about <laughs> how much True. he wishes harvest was a game. Everyone wants that, and it's like there's so many really cool things that happen in the novels that are easily able to be turned into a game that you know why not yeah i mean there's massive battle sequences and many of them that are easily expanded on in a game and then there's story elements that you can just basically rip straight from the book and give visuals to like yeah that'd be perfect hey there halo fans don't go anywhere we'll be back with our friends right after these messages 
Yeah, and it's different than than just trying to copy something and paste it. This is like expanding what people expect. Although exactly. there are there is the argument that some people have made in the past related to we're gonna pull in another universe here, gentlemen. Harry Potter. Um, there <laughs> the there's a lot of people who don't want to watch the movies because they have a very definitive idea of what Harry Potter looks like in their head and they don't want it to just be Daniel Radcliffe. Right. Uh, I mean, for me, so I hope this doesn't make a ton of people mad at me, although it might, <laughs> and I understand. I have not read or seen Harry Potter yet. I do have plans to do both, but I am not sure which one to do first. Because I know, and I have personal experience with, going back to Lord of the Rings, book versus movie there are, i know there's plenty of things that are changed i know there are some things that uh, i know there are some things from the movies that i like i know there are some things from the book that i like um i don't know which one to do first but i feel like even if i like even without having watched the movies i feel like if i even if i just read them first i would still see daniel radcliffe as <laughs> as harry potter like in visualizing i'd i'd see uh what's her name is hermione uh, uh I just see yeah I, w I would just see all of them as the characters just because i've seen like clips and stuff like it's too late yeah. for that <laughs> that's they're already the characters <laughs> yeah so i can kind of get it but, but um, <laughs> the the good I, news is that hmm? Go ahead. I, I understand what you mean with um wanting to have like you have a visualization of what you think it is and then maybe the director of the movie has a different vision um and it comes out looking a little bit different and yeah i mean that's that's inevitable but i feel like there's a compromise that needs to be made especially with something like halo um like with what i was just saying with having trouble visualizing the dyson sphere like there's so much leeway in how things are described um and how they can be brought to life that there's just so much to be expanded on that the only way to miss out is if you're just so set on your own interpretation of it. Yeah. So I think it would only be a loss if I don't think there is any upside to not trying to make books into games if there is enough content there for gameplay. And plus, I really liked the Fall of Reach versus Halo Reach debates. Let's bring them back. Let's get some more games out here <laughs> to cause some more problems. Yeah. I still don't think there's that. Like, someone's going to have to explain to me what the big problems are, because it, as far as I could remember, Fall of Reach, you see the end of the Fall of Reach, and Reach shows what the rest of the battle looked like. So there were a few continuity issues with who was where. That part is very that part is very true and very much unexplainable. But I think the part that people bring up to me the most is Fall of Reach says that the battle took like a couple days, but the game clearly shows that it took like a month for Reach to fall. Does it? Yeah, it starts in like early August and ends in late August or something. Oh, I didn't realize that. It's a common complaint. You'll find it all over Reddit. See, I just don't go to Reddit that often. I don't either. I only really go there if I want some some detailed list of all of the Halo pieces of content in order. I'll also go there if I'm troubleshooting 
loading mods because there's a lot of questions there. Yeah, it's kind of funny actually. When it comes to actual practical stuff, Reddit is very trustworthy because there's people who have tried things and you don't have to anymore. <laughs> exactly. Everyone else has already had the same issues. I'll stay away from all the other communities though. I'm cool without that. I just want the practical part. <laughs> Straight up, if like I'm struggling to find a solution to a problem, I swear every time I just add Reddit to the end of the search, someone <laughs> has gone through the same thing and already has like a hundred people telling them the answer. <laughs> yeah, literally, so you can just better. copy paste your issue into into Google, and then Reddit it'll pop up and be like, "Here is the exact issue you were having. Here yes. are a bunch of different solutions from a bunch of different people for every single possible operating system and version of the game you might be running. Like mm -hmm. everything." Uh, wait, what? Hold on. I'm I'm still reading about Shield Worlds because I I do plan to eventually talk about Shield Worlds during this episode about Shield Worlds. Yes. Uh, oh. Interesting. Wow. Okay. So, all right. Trove, the Shield World from Halo Wars, which I barely remember because we still need to finish our Halo Wars two playthrough. You mean Halo, Halo Wars modded or both? But we oh. were, it was in, Trove was in Halo Wars 2, right? No. That's oh. the arc. Then we need, I need to play Halo Wars 1 again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because Halo Wars 1 goes from Harvest to Arcadia to still on Arcadia for like two or three missions. I think it's two. And then you go chase after a Covenant ship. They go to the Shield World. Then they're on the shield world for like the rest of the game and then it kaplooey thanks to sergeant forge right i completely forgot that so i didn't yes i need to really i wonder why i'm sorry um, I, don't, I don't really know a whole lot about halo i, I don't really play it that much <laughs> um yeah i i had forgotten that so yes uh we need to finish halo wars we do <laughs> And it's a really good mod. I don't remember what it's called. I think it's called All the Units, but it's very good. It's a very cool mod. The game can barely handle it, but it's a really good mod. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> May have had a few crashes along the way. It's like three, so four, uh, five, five, I think. Anyway, uh, yeah, so in the books, the you know, I, I've mentioned before that there's a trilogy so far of Forge's daughter. I had forgotten that you said that, but that sounds cool. Yeah, I also think so because her story crosses over with 343 Guilty Spark at some point. That's kind of cool. Um, yeah, she actually, I don't know how. I'm not even going to try to read into it because I don't want the story spoiled for me on that part. But at some point she ends up at the the remains, the debris of the planet that her father blew up. Oh, so that's already a really nice <laughs> setup. <laughs> nice. That's already a maximum population. <laughs> Forge is down. Forge is down. Forge is back up. Forge is down. <laughs> Planet explodes. Forge is down. Oh. <laughs> Why hasn't anyone made that meme? I just realized. You, no, I don't think. I don't think anybody did it. You are welcome. It is time to revive Halo shit posts for that one. Oh meme. my gosh! I wonder how many people are like listening and they're like, "Oh, I remember Halo shit posts." Yeah, that was me. That was me. <laughs> it was me. It was him. Sorry. It was me. It was him. 
Uh, let's see. So there were there was Genesis. That's the one from Halo Five. It's supposed to be like it's supposed to be this thing that can create seed worlds, which I guess are these. It, it's basically able to develop new worlds and then populate them. Seed uh, Is that what you said? Seed worlds, yeah. Okay. Uh, and then also Genesis was the last gateway facility that connected to the domain. Hence why Cortana was on that planet. But yeah, that was another shield world. All the different... Actually, no, I don't think Halo 5 had a shield world. No, it was just... Yeah, no, I know, it did. That was where Genesis... Oh gosh, I don't know why I just had that brain fart. Uh, Yeah, no, Halo 4 and Halo 5 both had a shield world. Um, So there was Requiem and then there was Genesis. And man, there's been a lot of shield worlds ever since 343. <laughs> it was like, I like it. Let's roll with it. Oh, yeah. Finally, so, the new game, Shield World. <laughs> so just to clarify with my own memory, um, yep. Shield Worlds were the alternative to Halos, yes? Yes. And it was the didact that was like, hey, we should do Shield Worlds, and everyone else was like, no, we should do Halos and kill everything. Yes. And initially, they were on board for Shield Worlds, but then the builders were like, but we can make it so things can live on our things too. And they're like, oh, and then they went with the Halos. So practically speaking and i guess also philosophically speaking which do you think like obviously we know that to a certain extent the halos worked forgetting the fact that the flood showed back up and started being a problem again because some idiots let them out um (laughs) (laughs) which um do you think is better is the better plan I'm thinking James? if you if you want to if you want to I'm thinking for a bit um, if you want to take that James. Um, I don't know. Genocide always seems like a good option to me. <laughs> this I is mean, like the third time on this show that you have advocated for the genocide. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I feel like to an extent, if you do the shield worlds, so the halo, the plan with the halos was we kill all of the flood's food, right, mm. and that that stops the flood. If you go with the shield worlds, that leaves everything else intact and leaves the flood to expand and grow to proportions that honestly no one knows what they could end up doing if they took over the entire galaxy, right? Well, so the concept of the shield worlds were that they were cost effective because they weren't expensive to make somehow, not like in comparison to the halos that had weapon systems and all that. Mm -hmm. And you can make a ton of them uh because I, I mean based on the number system i mean one of them is uh is a shield world that was an archive for the juridicals those ones that catalog things and act as the um the lawmakers and the courts of the forerunners basically is yeah. labeled as shield world 10,021 so Man. Either there's a really weird number system or there ha- actually are tens of thousands of shield worlds that existed. Um, so the thing is, though, is that if there's that many shield worlds that can be made that fast, I think it would be reasonable to suggest that you could put, in the similar fashion of Noah's Ark, you could just put every single like sentient being that you can possibly fit into those shield worlds, make them impenetrable, and then... Bob's your uncle flood slowly starts to starve itself to death 
That's true. I feel it, like a possible complication is the fact that the Forerunners were at war with the humans. That was a, and that was a problem from start to finish, yeah. Although yeah. that war Although didn't really last. But it should be noted, though, that war with humans and the Flood, the, that war was like thousands of years. It wasn't a short war, and yeah. neither was the war with the Flood. The war with the Flood was also thousands of years. So the the war with the flood just by itself after they had defeated the humans was thousands of years. They had a long time to figure out their plan. Uh because it was a whole separate situation like once the halos and the shield worlds were presented and all of that, that was way after the human war wasn't over. Like way after they had killed everybody basically. Oh, okay. So that wasn't a, an issue. It was not a issue. It was not even an issue. Not a issue. Yeah. So that is true. Like, get everything you can. Like, Noah's Ark. Which is funny, because basically those would turn into arcs. Yeah. Um, get everything that you can instead of genociding everything. And then just slip space all of your uh, shield worlds, because they can do that. They can just... There they go. And then, like you said, then the flood just stars itself. I do think that would have been probably morally... Like, beneficial plan i think it would have worked the problem that they ran into at least i think based on what i've seen is that builders are some pompous guys like yeah, they yeah. really wanted the glory was their big problem i'd say that uh, is a, a theme is that the forerunners were like we should be big boys they always had problems with rates trying to dominate over other rates but the builders were the worst about it definitely because they I mean, they wanted everything to be based around them. They wanted the whole galaxy to revolve around them. Hence why it was such a big deal when the Master Builder actually had gained the the, the control over the Juridicals. When you have control over the Juridicals, that's like having one of our uh, one of our uh, political parties gaining control of the legal system. There's nothing to challenge them. They can do whatever they want because legally they have control. It's like yeah. Palpatine taking over the Senate. <laughs> I am the Senate. I, I hope you know I was already Senate. taking a breath to do that, as you said. <laughs> like Palpatine taking and, and so over the Senate. So if that happens, which it did, then you can do whatever you want and no one can do anything about it. And that's a, a big problem because now, since they can do whatever they want, now everything that they do is law. Even though Master Builder totally saw that what he did was a mistake and had no idea how to correct it. And then, you know, caused the downfall of the galaxy but i don't know the shield worlds were a good idea i think but i mean there is the one concern that i've thought about a couple times because i i was like there has to be some sort of catch because it couldn't just be like the shield worlds were perfect and it's like there is the concern of like how impenetrable is impenetrable i mean how impenetrable is a different dimension but not all of them were in different dimensions but they could be. Maybe. It's not really said how easy that was to do. <laughs> okay, let me put it this way. Paragox, at will, can create slip space bubbles. That's adorable. I mean, so cool. <laughs> <laughs> it is easy <laughs> for them to do this. So they can just create... They, are you saying that they could just create the bubble and then just shove the whole thing inside of there just at will? I don't know 
scale. I'm not sure about scale, but I know that they were able to just create slip space bubbles whenever they wanted. Because like I was going to say, if that's the case, then I would be wondering why her Gok aren't just going around in creative mode deleting Covenant. Because <laughs> uh, that's not their programming. Uh, but there, I wouldn't be, I don't know, if I was a floating squid jellyfish creature, I wouldn't be okay with being a slave. The, I don't remember where it was said, but the reason that the Huragok were going along with the Covenant at all was because the Covenant told the Huragok that, uh, like, humanity would, uh, would be messing up Forerunner stuff. All Hergok care about is taking care of Forerunner stuff. That is their main thing. They, they like messing with technology, and they want to take care of the Forerunners, the Forerunner constructs. That is all they care about. That's adorable, but it also is funny considering how often the Covenant screwed with Forerunner stuff. Yeah. Um, Let's not forget Halo Wars set the charges. Destroy this place! They definitely would have tried to hide that stuff from the Hergok. <laughs> yeah. So... That's why the Hergok were going along with it, um, to an extent. <laughs> so then, why didn't the Hergok go into creative mode and delete the UNSC? <laughs> delete the UNSC? Because, like, what's uh, the, like, I, I, like, the slip space bubbles thing sounds awesome. I just don't know what that means or what that quantifies as. Uh, on a small scale, let's say you wanted to keep food fresh without keeping it cold you make a slip space refrigerator which doesn't even actually refrigerate anything it's just time is so slow in this slip space bubble that you reach in grab whatever you want that you put in there maybe a year ago and it's still fresh that's a small scale application interesting it's like a vacuum sealed bag. <laughs> yes, it's a vacuum sealed. <laughs> it's a time sealed bubble, dude. Like Billy Mays could have sold so many Huragok. <laughs> <laughs> and that's like that's one of the things that was so cool. They find the Huragok. They're like, wait, we have insane applications with this and we haven't been able to see them yet because Cortana immediately was like, actually, I'm in charge. Oh, no. But you know, here's, like, mm -hmm. here's another thing that has been like messing with me is that the didact is the one that created the shield worlds mm. and he like the transition from him not wanting to kill everything to being so upset with everyone that when he wakes up he just wants to kill everything is that's that's been messing with me well I'm sure that there's something about that, that clarifies that a little bit more, but the the concept of it is first and foremost, he's always hated humanity. There's never been a time that he hasn't hated humanity. Mm -hmm. Um and he specifically targeted humanity when he returned. So, it wasn't that he wanted to kill everything. He didn't even attack the the covenant, the storm covenant. He just let them worship him. Yeah. Um even classified them as more like more intelligent for that reason and uh I mean, he called them primitives, but <laughs> he still respected them more than he did humanity. Uh, and then there's also the other half of the situation, which is stuff that's like, you know, when he was alive, 
I mean, he, first of all, had been through a whole lot mentally by being betrayed multiple times by his own kind. Uh, being locked in a cryptum twice doesn't do a whole lot of really good things to your head either because when you're trapped in a cryptum, you're basically locked in a restricted, isolated part of the domain. Hmm. And it's not fun. Uh, it's not like a slumber. And also when you come out, the didact, I'm not exactly sure why he looked like that when he came out of the cryptum. It must not have been as long or something. Well, no, it would have been 100,000 years, so it was actually 10 times longer. Um, but he should have looked a whole lot more not okay because in the book, when he came out of his first cryptum, which he was only in for 10,000 years, uh, or a thousand, it was a thousand years he was in that cryptum. So a hundred times, uh, he came out and Bornsteller noted that he kind of looked like a shriveled up little creature. Like he had, he was wrinkled, he was gray no blood flow anywhere and he looked like he could barely move and it took him like a couple days for his body to get completely recovered and then he was he was super tall and really muscular and obviously much stronger than Bornsteller but it took a while so it's like the 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 cryptum is not kind to you um but as for him going sort of stir crazy i guess this is some some way to put it uh it was so it was, it was a combination of things you could probably say is that first of all communicating with the primordial is not fun not a good idea you shouldn't do it mm-hmm. but he did it because he's the didact and he believes he can do whatever he wants um he had fought a very long time Tens of thousands of years of just straight warfare, uh, which eventually he won, but he had to get pretty brutal in order to do it. (sighs) And then also exposing himself to the composer repeatedly. Uh, And that's that's not fun. That's also not a good (laughs) thing to do, but it did make him immune to composing or at least or not, not just composing, but flood infection was the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. so that's that all kind of comes together into creating whatever it is that he became um even the isodidact kind of recognized it because he was just he was like you're com- you're completely different now you're not a promethean you're not even a warrior servant <laughs> like he he had classified the erdidact as a completely new forerunner a completely new person because of what had happened after he changed. Interesting. Um, so the didact really did just kind of go bonkers for not no reason, but he did go bonkers. Um, like even uh, Halopedia kind of touches on it by saying that four years after his return to the Ecumene, a meeting was arranged between the Erdidact, the librarian, and the Isodidact, and the three gathered in the didacts and librarian's family domicile now ravaged by council agents looking for evidence of possible crime. The the reunion soon turned out to be less than a happy one, with the Erdidact and his perceptions distorted by his madness, began to argue with the librarian and his own duplicate that the latter's actions and methods endangered the forerunners, and new, more extreme strategies had to be adopted in order for the uh, forerunners to survive. Um, So, uh, he deduced that the Flood were basically favoring um 
humans. And now we're specifically targeting forerunners out of an act of revenge for defeating them, I guess. Mm. Uh, and now he had also come to the conclusion that he, that the librarian loved humanity more than her own people. Yeah. <laughs> so his jumps to conclusions, uh, he was taking leaps and bounds, but it was partially because of the madness that was induced within him. Uh, actually, there is a whole thing about the fall from grace, um, but I don't want to read the whole thing because that's a lot of paragraphs. But <laughs> the good news is, is that it is documented as to what happened to him. And it's not random, but it is surprising to say the least, because he was a very level headed and calm being before all of that went down. Uh, and even now, while he's insane, he's a very well spoken guy. I would love to he sit is. down and have a tea with him, you know, if he's not choking me to death. All right. I have one more question, which is slightly off topic, but also slightly on topic due to the fact that it happened in a shield world. Mm. When Chief finds and releases uh, by accident the didact, um, he's in the cryptum, right? Yep. Why does it become a ship? The cryptum is so. Okay, that's actually a good one because I had never thought about that. We, um, the only reason I have that question is because I went through. Uh, I've been going through it with uh, uh, Brandon, my my friend Brandon on Legendary, and he was like, "Wait, he was trapped in that, and now it's a ship. Wait, why? <laughs> that doesn't make sense." Yeah, let's see. Um, ah. That's what it is. It's because it's his cryptum. Like, it's not just a cryptum. It is his personal combat cryptum. So, like, okay. he, can, he can be locked inside of it, but once it's unlocked, he can use it free will. So, uh, the Erdidax flagship Mantle's Approach was equipped with a personal combat cryptum, which possessed many, many capabilities beyond the conventional one he used during his first exile. The librarian sealed the Erdidact in this cryptum, which was discovered over 100,000 years later by John 117 and Cortana on the Forerunner Shield World Requiem. This cryptum was spherical in shape, blah, 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 blah. The combat cryptum, blah, 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 blah. This cryptum <laughs> locked its occupant in a contained slipspace stasis, shielding the didact from the effects of the Halo Array. Unlike the one discovered by Bornsteller, this cryptum had not withered the user. Hey, there we go. As the Erdidact remained as physically fit as he had been when he entered. It is unknown if this was the work of the cryptum itself or the fact that the Erdidact wore his personal armor during the hibernation. The librarian had sealed the didact in this cryptum in hopes that long exposure to the domain and meditation on his choices would help him amend his motives and heal his mind, which had been severely damaged by the traumatizing encounter with the grave mind. However, the domain was later revealed to be of precursor origin and its neurophysical construction being obliterated upon activation of the Halo Array. <laughs> oh no. This unfortunate reality resulted in the imprisonment of the Didact's consciousness as well. Trapped in total silence and darkness, the Didact would experience nothing but his own festering rage and madness for eons. Prior to his eventual release, the Didact also appeared to be awake in the cryptum to some degree, since he was able to perform covert tasks like hinder use of the cartographer and manipulate radio transmissions. As a combat, this is the last paragraph. As a combat cryptum, this cryptum doubled as a means of transport, being able to travel at massive speeds or even through slipspace if necessary, as demonstrated when the Erdidact escaped Requiem's core in his cryptum via a slipspace rift. It also had the capability to scan its surrounding environment or data networks in order to gather information. However, it had no weapons and was vulnerable to UNSC ones such as MACs and missiles. 
This cryptum was destroyed when the Master Chief detonated a Havoc tactical nuclear weapon inside the Erdak Didax flagship Mantle's Approach, which it had joined with. That'll do it. So there you go. That answered both of our questions. It did. Thank you. Uh, man, where did that answer come from, I wonder? Ah, uh, that would do it. Where? The Forerunner Trilogy. <laughs> ah, that'll do it. <laughs> I just haven't finished Silentium still. Uh, I gotta... I have it behind me. I should read it a little bit before I go to bed tonight. Perhaps. Perhaps. James, how are you doing? I swell. Did how you, are did you, you? Did you... Did you mean... It, when you said that you thought the Halos were the best choice above the Shield Worlds? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> I no. didn't know if you actually thought... Like, because here's the thing: you could make the argument that it actually is better to wipe out the galaxy instead of risk the potential of feeding the flood. Exactly. That's what I was. That's what I was getting at. But it's also like you would have to have the right circumstances, because if there's enough shield worlds to hold everything, and they actually are impenetrable, then you right. would eventually starve the flood. But that's. Right. Like, an if, and unfortunately, the if has to remain an if because we haven't seen the <laughs> shield worlds actually do their job. Correct. Uh. Yeah. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Also, was you said that huh? once I remember you can't have something without... Ah. I, I don't remember... <laughs> I'm sorry. It was, that's a very old quote as well, and it didn't make any sense. You're you're right about that, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> you're the one that said it. Do you know what? When I don't make any sense in context, it makes sense when I don't make sense. Mm. Like right now. Mm. See, right. that's that's just the sound he makes when he's thinking, ladies and gentlemen. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm down for the idea of the shield world, though. I think the shield worlds would have been the best choice, but they just, first of all, the builders are mean. Second of all, the forerunners probably felt rushed, and so because of that, just built the rings because it was faster. And uh, I don't know. Maybe that's what all it is, and that's just the gist of it, and there's nothing more complicated than that, but it's Halo. There's always something more complicated. <laughs> yeah. It is like questionable because like you've got these beings that they've had all this time and then suddenly they're rushed and they're like eh, we'll just do i guess what seems easier yeah which is another thing that's evident another evidence that they didn't really deserve the mantle <laughs> no and you know what even some of the forerunners knew that yeah well ladies and gentlemen tyler sarah uh, we are going to be ending our episode for the day. Next week, we're going to be talking about the flood. And it's going to be really fun because the flood, we've talked about it enough, but we haven't talked about it enough. You know what I'm saying? So next week's topic will be great. If you want to join us for our after show that we're going to be hopping over to here in a moment, you can head over to our Patreon at patreon.com forward slash jumperscape. You can join our community as well at discord.gg forward slash jumperscape. If you want to talk to me, James, or Brian, or even Shane, even though he's not here, 
Uh, you can find us on Patreon and on Discord both. You can message on, on both places and we'll respond happily. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you guys had a good time, you two. Uh, right? Maybe. What? <laughs> <laughs> and we'll see you all next week. The library was produced and published by Jumperscape Audio. Funding was provided by our fantastic patrons on Patreon. Big thanks to Dark Salad 42 and Connor Clark. If you enjoy the show and wish to support Jumperscape's future projects or get some sweet benefits, join our Patreon at patreon.com jumperscape or become part of this truly special community at discord.gg jumperscape. Thank you for your listenership and we hope you enjoyed.